Hi everyone, welcome back to Hitchcock University where you learn filmmaking from the masters. Last class session we talked about Quentin Tarantino's The Hateful Eight and this class session we're going to jump into Robert Rodriguez's Alita Battle Angel. Now, first off, um, I just want to say I've moved into a new space so if this sounds different, I'm sorry, this is the first time I'm using this. We're trying to kind of optimize it for, um, uh, for recording the podcast so we'll see how this goes. Either way, let's just jump right into Alita Battle Angel. So the story behind this film starts starts long before Robert Rodriguez came on board the project and even starts before James Cameron came on board the project. This story really starts with the friendship between these two very different filmmakers. I, uh, I pulled an interview here from Entertainment Weekly where they interviewed Rodriguez where he said, when I first met him, James Cameron... I was, going to do, I was going to do Desperado, and I was trying to impress him. I said, I'm taking a three-day Steadicam course because I'm going to learn to operate a Steadicam myself in Desperado. And he said, I bought a Steadicam, but not to operate it. I'm going to take it apart and figure out how to design a better one. That's the difference between him and me right there. Um, he then goes on to say, when I was editing Desperado, I was the only editor on the Sony lot that was used in a computer. It was so new back then, computer editing. Everybody was afraid of it. I had it in my living room, which is common now. But back then, it was unheard of that you'd be cutting feature films in your house. He came over. I hear you have an Avid in your living room. And I said, yeah, I'm cutting Desperado, Dust Till Dawn, and four rooms all at the same time. He's like, I'm tired of working with editors. They, don't want, they didn't want to put Bad to the Bone in Terminator 2 when I asked them. I had to go sneak it in at night and do it myself. They never listened to me. I'm like, oh, you should do the editing yourself. You know how to edit. He said, I'm going to do that. I'm going to tear down a wall in my house, put in an Avid like you have, and I'm, and I'm going to cut my next movie. And he did. He cut Titanic. He had two other editors, but he cut it in his house, and then he got an Oscar for editing. We were always inspiring each other by not letting anything get in our way. Hands on. Do it yourself. So in that way, we are very similar. So really what you have is you have these two filmmakers who are very, who, who are, they're rebels. They're, they're revolutionaries. They're trying to do things different. But at the end of the day, they're also very different people. You have one of them who's, you have Robert Rodriguez who's technical because he ha because it helps fuel his creativity. And then you have, and then you have, James Cameron who's technical because that's how he is you know James Cameron knows how to edit because he knows how to edit um, he's the one who buys a steady cam so that he can take it apart and figure out how to do it better um, whereas Robert Rodriguez learns to edit because that gives him more control well not even more control over the project but because that gives him that's that's one less thing he has to delegate, and it, it, it allows him to ingest his creativity into the process that much more. And like we've talked about, it, it, it it's the kind of thing that it help, keeps costs down, which which allows him more creative control, etc. Um, he goes on to talk more about James Cameron in this interview, and he says, I was very inspired by The Terminator. He did that movie in a way I make movies my movies now. Very renegade, down and dirty, with ideas bigger than you can afford. You use tricks to make up the difference. That's Terminator. That's Terminator. He just kept evolving beyond that. I'd just be happy making Terminators the rest of my life. When he was doing Avatar, I showed him the trailer for Grindhouse, and he was like, whoa, that's like unbridled, unbridled filmmaking from the id. I should be doing stuff like that. And I replied, no, 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 no. I'm still remaking Terminator. You're in the stratosphere. 
And this is really the difference is that they both come from a similar background of this kind of down and dirty, do it yourself filmmaking. The difference is James Cameron very quickly evolved into this much bigger filmmaker where he's almost an institution now. And, and Rodriguez just stayed down there. Not, not even down there. I don't want to say that. Um, I don't want to pretend like, like there's different levels of filmmaking here, but, but Rodriguez just stayed, stayed where he was comfortable. He stayed in this kind of DIY filmmaking. So you have two filmmakers who have, who, who definitely have similar sensibilities in some ways, but they're two very different people. And they end up coming to this project in a very interesting way. So what happened was Guillermo del Toro shows Jim Cameron the anime adaptation of the manga um, that this was based off of. And Cameron loved it so much because he had an eight-year-old daughter at the time and he really loved the strong female character. And so he and his daughter, you know, dive right into the manga. And, and, and it was about 10 years later, around 2005, James Cameron is looking to turn this into a feature film. And he knew that the only way to do the character of Alita properly would be to do performance capture. However, he also had this other script on file that was also going to be heavy in performance capture called Avatar. So it becomes a coin toss between the two as to which one he's going to do first. But the first thing they need to do is they need to do a performance capture test to kind of see where the technology is, where where the where the potholes are, how they can improve, etc. So Jim starts looking through the two scripts for an all CGI scene, and he can't really find one in the Alita script, but it's but Avatar's is only that basically. So they do the test for Avatar. And as they're as they're going through this process, Jim falls back in love with Avatar and decides not to direct Alita. Well, Robert Rodriguez knew that Alita was on Jim's uh, uh, Jim's mind. And there's one day when he's out visiting Jim and they're talking about Avatar and, 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 and Jim saying, you know, I really think I'm probably going to the next phase of my career is really just going to be Avatar. But Rodriguez was really disappointed in that because he was familiar with the manga and really wanted to see what Jim Cameron would do with Avatar. So Cameron's literally walking Rodriguez back out to, uh, you know, from his office out to out to Rodriguez's car. And he and and Robert and, and Rodriguez says, so what's going to happen to Alita? And Jim says, you got 15 minutes. So. They walk back into the office. He shows him all this great artwork that he has and everything. And he hands him a 180-page script. And at this point, like I said, Jim has decided that he's not going to direct. He's just looking for the right director. And it, it, he realizes that Robert Rodriguez, he feels, would be the perfect director for something like Alita. And when he hands him the 180 pages, he says, If you can get this down to a shootable length, then I'll let you direct this. And he says, oh, and by the way, here's 600 pages of my notes, too. So Rodriguez takes it all. He goes through it about for about two months. And he decides to approach this, quote, rewrite job more like he would as an editor. And not a, not a, not a script editor or a script doctor, but as a, 
almost like a movie editor, as if he had been handed this movie to edit and needed to find where do we trim it? How can we, you know, pick up the pacing here? How do we that that sort of thing? Um, and then occasionally suggesting suggesting places that might be done if they wanted to rework it. Like, you know, if if you hit the edit and something's not right, then then you would go back into uh, production and 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 do a reshoot or something like that. So that's where he's doing some of the, quote, rewriting. But most of it was just trimming and trimming and trimming and trimming. And when he handed the script back to Jim Cameron, Jim could tell immediately that Robert got the movie. And he could tell that because of what he cut and what he kept. Jim was really afraid that when he got the script back from Robert that he might cut it in a way that that sort of took took everything that they wanted to do out of the movie. But what he found is that it actually improved on what they were going to do by streamlining it. Now, that doesn't mean that it was an easy job. Um, as Rodriguez says again in, in that Entertainment Weekly interview, he says, it's different from what's laid out in the books. Like as an Alita fan, like as an Alita fan, you're going to want to see Motorball, but Motorball doesn't even show up until the fourth book. So how he crafted the story was pretty amazing. He told a real story with characters that would work on film that gave you something to latch on to. Before you have all the spectacle, you need a spine of a story that's compelling to the general audience. And that's usually what escapes people. Because anime usually doesn't have a story that's compelling to a general audience. It's very out there stuff. Which is exciting, but it won't play to the masses. And to pay the bill for the spectacle, you need a story that will engage people from 8 to 80. So, what Jim Cameron had done is he had taken this manga series and turned it into a mainstream film. Which is really so, and the interesting thing about that is that Rodriguez, Rodriguez understood what Jim had done, and because they were on the same page, they could then go forward, and that's how Robert Rodriguez ends up directing a Jim Cameron produced film. But what that means is this is Robert Rodriguez working for the first time in the mainstream, really. And that also comes with a massive budget. The estimated budget was $200 million. Now, I don't... He says that they didn't spend that much money. I don't really know. I wasn't on the accounting team. But this this is really uncharted territory for Robert Rodriguez. And it, it ended up forcing him to do things differently. The interesting thing is that he very intentionally leaned into that. And it wasn't so much that that he wasn't allowed to be Robert Rodriguez on this film. It was that he decided not to be Robert Rodriguez on this film. This is what he did. This is um, this is a quote that I pulled from um, a Q&A uh, that was done just after a screening, I believe in London, that is on the uh, it's on the digital special feature. Well, well, it's on the special features of the of the disc or the digital copy that you choose to get. Um, he said, I had to completely change how I make movies. Part of the reason he had to change was because, because it was a mainstream film, because it was a studio film and because it was such a massive budget. I mean, it was the biggest budget he's ever worked with. I don't think Robert Rodriguez has ever worked with a movie that was bigger than $30 million. This is a movie that's at least five times that, that budget. So he says, I had to completely change how I make movies. Now, the other reason for that is what he's about to say. 
He says, and I wanted to learn that, how Jim makes movies. My movies tend to be really whimsical because I was a cartoonist. Jim was an illustrator. That's different. An illustrator draws mechanical things that work. And so for me, a guy can pick up a guitar case and fire a missile, and I don't think the audience really needs to know how it works. You know, they can go with it in one of my movies. That wouldn't fly with Jim. Jim would say, how does that work? How do you reload? How did you engineer that? I don't buy it. It pulls me out of the movie. And he told me something I couldn't unhear once he told me early in the process, thankfully. He said, when I do science fiction or fantasy, I believe it has to be utterly real, completely believable and grounded. Otherwise, you don't buy the fantasy. So I thought, wow, I have to completely, I have to change completely how I do everything. I'm not going to shoot on green screen at all. I don't want this layer of artifice. I want to have real sets, real locations, real actors around her, her being Alita. It'll be harder for Weta which Weta is Peter Jackson's VFX studio, which was used on Avatar. It'll be harder for Weta to match her in, but it'll feel really grounded. You like taking a vacation from yourself sometimes and learning another way to do it. What Robert Rodriguez decided to do was because it was a massive budget, because it was a mainstream film, but more importantly, because it was a James Cameron project, he decided to approach it like James Cameron would. It's not that dissimilar from how he did from Dust Till Dawn, and it's not that dissimilar from Sin City, in that it was a collaboration. But what it meant was he had to completely change his entire process in some ways. Another quote, I believe this is from, this is either from Entertainment Weekly or Rolling Stone. I'm sorry I don't have the, uh, sorry I don't have the, the citation there, but, um, Jim said, if I did the movie, it would be $300 million. I said, we'll make it for a fraction of that, but it will look like that. We want it to look like a Jim Cameron movie. We will still shoot very efficiently. We will still shoot fast. That's Robert Rodriguez, keeping the efficiency, keeping it, keeping everything moving. What it affords you is the level of effects we have is much higher. Every shot is an effect shot. If I did this movie for myself as a lower budget movie, I'd have to approach it completely differently. I'm using my tricks to keep it at full camera level, but to try and keep it contained. So really what, what Rodriguez was able to do was he was able to still shoot his way, keep it fast. I think it was only a 60 day shoot, which is ridiculous for a movie of this scale and with all the VFX. But, but because he shot it quickly and efficiently, he was then able to put put all that extra money from the budget into the practicals and more importantly into all of the visual effects. So some very specific examples of that is they built Iron City in the vacant parking lot on the backside of Troublemaker Studios, but they only built like seven streets. And he worked very closely with the production designers to make sure that that it wouldn't ever feel like the same street no matter where they were. And, you know, especially with Bill Pope lighting it and all that kind of thing. But but Iron City is actually only made up of seven streets, but it feels like this massive sprawling city. So they did a really good job with that. And then um, the bar, which I think is in the film twice. I think there's two scenes. One of them is a big bar fight. Um, they redressed uh, the the bar that, that had been built for the From Dusk Till Dawn television show on Rodriguez's cable channel, the El Rey Network. They just redressed that bar for this movie. So there's there's all these little efficiencies that he built into certain things. There's, there's ways that he was able to reduce costs so that then they could take those costs later 
and throw it into the stuff that was going to need it, mostly the post-production and all the visual effects. The other thing that Rodriguez talks about is, is he wanted this movie to be a James Cameron film. He wanted it, at the end of the day, for, for Jim Cameron to look at the movie and say, wow, when did I shoot that? And you can tell, I think, because if you watch this movie looking for Robert Rodriguez, you're not going to find him. What you're going to find is something that feels more like a James Cameron film. It just does. It, it the, the way he shot it, um, everything. He, he was very much trying to crawl inside the skin of Jim Cameron and create a Jim Cameron movie, which I think he did a very good job of. Um, I know this movie didn't do that well in the States. It did very well in the Asian markets. Um, and I know there's probably a lot of people listening to this who weren't fans of the film. I've only seen it the one time and I was hoping for a Robert Rodriguez movie. I'd be curious to see if I watched it again, how I felt about it. But that's not the point. The The point is this was an exercise for Robert Rodriguez. Um, one that may end up paying off because there's still talk of them doing more of these. Um, I, I, I believe the idea is that they're going to do a trilogy. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen. We'll have to see. Um, we may have to, it's, it's interesting because it is a James Cameron produced project. We may have to see how Avatar 2 lands, if that does well. Um, that that may affect this movie as well. Um, the 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 whole movie business is is economically driven in a way that is that is very difficult to um, to describe um, and is can can be very unpredictable. Um, anyway, um, so so yeah, all that to say, Rodriguez used his shooting style. And not 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 his actual shooting style, but his uh, his his way of of organizing a shoot, his way of his way of doing things efficiently and low budget, his his low budget approach to do a large budget film, and that's really what came out from this movie, um, which I think is a fascinating experiment, um, and. Uh, and and it just goes to show that just because you can that because you can do things low budget, you can also do things bigger budget. Um, so that's all I have for Elite Battle Angel. Um, next up will be Tarantino's ninth film, um, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, which by the time you listen to this will have come out a would have been out for a few months, I believe. Um, so, uh, look forward to that next, um, and then, and then I'm I'm still looking at doing uh, Billy Wilder um, after that for our next semester in 2020, um, which I think will be a lot of fun, um, and hopefully, hopefully I can introduce a few people to Billy Wilder. I uh, he's 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 not been forgotten, but he's been. Um, I think he's gotten kind of pushed aside um, in some ways. And I think, uh, which I think is a little unfortunate because th he, he has a number of titles to his name that a lot of people recognize. Um, so anyway, uh, that's that's what's coming up next. You can look forward to all that. Um, 
If you have any comments, questions, concerns, otherwise, feel free to reach out to the podcast. You can email us at hitchcockuniversity at gmail.com. There's also a Hitchcock University Facebook page and a Twitter uh, hitch underscore university. It's Instagram that has nothing on it. Um, I'm not a good social media person. That's Hitchcock underscore you, and I, I've, I've gotten those confused, and, and, and hopefully we're, we're remedying that. So, yeah, Hitchcock underscore university is Twitter. You can follow us there as well. Um, I'm really sorry that, uh, that the Robert Rodriguez experiment on YouTube didn't pan out the way uh, I hoped it would. Um, unfortunately, I got very busy. Um, I'm more unfortunately it was something that i really thought i was going to be able to do and as i said before um i ended up recording all of my episodes way back in december and i was just like kind of slowly been releasing them so i in december i assumed that it would it would happen and 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 i'm just now able to record this one in july um so um so yeah i'm 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 sorry for the few of you that that were actually interested in that 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 didn't pan out um what I'm hoping will happen is instead of doing several, instead of doing so many small projects, um, I'm hoping down the road, um, eventually I can I can get back on track to doing fewer large scale projects throughout the year, um, and uh, and I'll try to keep everybody updated on those um, uh, for those of you who are interested. Anyway. Um, yeah, so that's all we have for uh, this class session. Stay tuned for the next class session, uh, which which uh, comes out in a couple of weeks. Anyway, yeah, thanks so much, everybody. Thank you, thank you, everybody for for attending Hitchcock University, where you learn filmmaking from the masters. We'll talk to you again in two weeks. Thanks again. <laughs>